URL. Lord, I pray that we too would be cut to the quick by the story of Good Friday and Easter that we would turn our lives over to you. Perhaps turn our lives over to you. Lord, pray that you would speak to me and to each one of us in our homes this morning. We might hear and believe, change how we live our lives on the basis of who you are. Hey, it's a great passage. You guys will be interested to know that at the end there, it says Peter continued preaching for a long time, which means that the sermon this morning has got to go for at least two and a half hours. So, um, you know, settle in and we'll, we'll, we'll try and make it. Look, if we try, we might get to three hours, but uh, uh, we might only get to under half an hour. Ooh, it sounded like someone just disconnected when I said that. <laughs> This week, this day, changed everything. Easter Sunday is the turning point of our world. It's the moment when, when the unchallenged reign of sin and death was undone. Today we remember King Jesus who has been raised from the dead. We celebrate the risen Jesus, the long-awaited rescuer, our Lord and our God. On Friday, we looked at how Jesus was announced to the world as the King of the Jews. They even put on the placard above his head on the cross, Jesus, King of the Jews. Strange way for a king to be announced. A strange way for a king to be made known to the world. A strange way for a king to die without a fight. A king rejected by his people executed by the powers of this world. But we also saw on Friday that, that Jesus' kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. Jesus' kingdom is from above. His kingdom outlasts, outmatches all other kingdoms, all other dominions. A few weeks after Jesus was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, as I said, he sent the Holy Spirit to his disciples, and they started telling the world, telling anyone who would hear in all sorts of languages about Jesus. And Acts chapter 2 has got this, this story, and it is just, as we saw, it is a summary of a sermon about the risen Jesus. Man, if this is a summary, that sermon must have been incredible because, I mean, this, this is just a sermon and a half just there. They wanted the world to know, they wanted everyone who was there to know that Jesus is not just a dead criminal, but the living King of Kings and the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for, and the Lord, God himself. And so Peter starts off in verse 22, and he says to the people, Jesus was accredited by God, publicly endorsed by God. He reminds them of all that Jesus had done. I mean, they knew about Jesus' power, how he healed the sick, how he cast out the demons, how he fed the hungry, how he brought the dead back to life. They knew that Jesus was an incredible man. These wonders, these signs, says Peter, were done by God through Jesus. 
And they were evidence that Jesus represented God, that Jesus was fully endorsed by God. At one point, it is true, the people came to start saying that Jesus was casting out demons by the power of the devil. And that's a stupid argument. Jesus replies to them and says, you know, a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. Luke chapter 11 uh, tells us of this incident. And, and verse 20 says, Jesus says, if I am casting out demons by the power of God, as opposed to the power of the devil, if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. That's Jesus saying, if what I am doing, if my actions are from God, then you guys should know that God's kingdom is here right now. Jesus was endorsed by God. But he was also handed over by God. Verse 23. He was executed by his own people. They were responsible for it. They chose to have Jesus killed. And yet, says Peter, this was in keeping with God's purpose and foreknowledge. God knew it would happen. In fact, God handed Jesus over to them. Jesus' death wasn't some unmitigated, unplanned for disaster. It wasn't as if Jesus going to the cross threw a spanner in the works and, and ruined God's plan. God knew that Jesus would be killed by them, and that had a purpose in God's plan. Jesus was endorsed by God completely. He was handed over by God's plan, and he was raised by God. Verse 24 onwards. Jesus died, says Peter, but he was raised to life by the Father again. I mean, that was a foregone conclusion, says Peter. If Jesus is the Messiah, Death cannot hold on to him. Death cannot hold on to the Messiah. And, and Peter says, well, you know, let me back this up for you. And he goes to something that King David had written. King David was probably the best king that Israel had had up to this point. He was a man. Yeah, he made mistakes. He made some doozies of mistakes. But, you know, he loved God. And, and when he made mistakes, he, he repented. He turned back to God. He did. What Peter is urging the people here to do. But one of the things that David is famous for is that God came to him and said, David, you are going to have one of your descendants on your throne, and this person I will have on that throne forever. And so in Psalm 16, David wrote about the Lord being at my right hand, about God looking after him, about God not abandoning him to death and decay but rather making known to me the paths of life, being with God. And, and uh, I like Peter's logic. He says, you know, uh, let, me just, let me just think about this for a second. Pretty sure you guys have all been and seen King David's grave. Now, apparently there is still a medieval structure that they claim is over King David's grave, but, you know, whether it is or not. We're not sure anymore. But back in those days, they were like, oh, yeah, of course, King David's tomb. That's, that one over there. We know where that is. And Peter says, well, let's think about it. You know, I won't see decay. Well, obviously, David cannot be talking about himself because, well, he's, he's dead. And it's been a while, so there's probably not much left of him. He died. He was buried. And he stayed that way. But, says Peter, David 
knew that God had promised that, that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And, and he was speaking prophetically. Either David was just completely bonkers and wrong, or else he was speaking of someone else. And given everything else we know of David, and I think Peter's right here saying David was speaking prophetically about the Messiah who would be raised from the dead, who wouldn't be abandoned to death. Here we have this promise about David's descendant. Here we have David writing this, and then we have one of David's heirs who matches this precisely. The Old Testament hope was for the Messiah to rise from the dead. And if Jesus has risen from the dead, and if Jesus has been endorsed by God, and if Jesus' death was part of God's great rescue plan, then Jesus himself must be the Messiah. He must be the long-awaited heir of David. He must be the true king of Israel. And more than that, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one before whom all the nations will bow. And it all hangs on this one thing that Jesus was raised from the dead. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if this isn't true, then we are fools for being Christians. But Christ has been raised from the dead. And we too will expect, um, can expect our resurrection because Jesus has been raised. And Peter wants to really hammer home this point that Jesus was raised from the dead. He says, verse 32, we are witnesses of this. We have seen the risen Jesus. We've spoken with him. We've eaten with him. We know that he is alive. Now, what's more, everyone listening in, they also were, in a sense, witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. The crowd had gathered to hear people speaking in their own languages. And the Holy Spirit had empowered the disciples to speak and share the gospel. And God's spirit being poured out like this was a sign of the last days. It was happening, said Peter, verse 33, because Jesus had poured out the Spirit. The Spirit's coming was a sign that Jesus is now the exalted one at God's right hand, just as David had prophesied, both in Psalm 16 and Psalm 110. The big point, verse 36. Have a listen to this. Chapter 2, verse 36. So, let everyone in Israel know for certain. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter calls Jesus Lord in verse 36. But it's interesting because in verse 39, he speaks about the Father being Lord. He says in verse 39, this promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. I think Peter's telling us, yeah, I'm pretty sure he, he was unambiguous about this. Jesus is God. Jesus is our rescuer. He is the one sent by God. He is not just God's representative. He is God himself. He is the true king of this world. Jesus didn't suddenly become Lord and Messiah when he ascended to God's side. He always was Lord. He always was Messiah. But but now he has been made in reality what he, what he always was by right. Now he has been made in power what he always was by right. 
Jesus is more than simply another man. This is the one who acted to rescue and save. This is God. This is the true king, the one before whom every knee will bow. This is the one whose life and death and resurrection and exaltation are proof that he is God. And if Jesus is king, then all of us, no matter how, where we come from, all of us have to ask what our relationship with him is like. Are we among those who called for his death? Yes. Are we among those who would rather he stayed out of our business? Quite often. Are we among those who think we don't need him telling us what to do or what to think? Are we in short rebels? I know that that is who I am by nature, and I'm pretty sure each one of us is that. But that is not the full story of who we are. I'm reminded of what Jesus told Pilate when he was being tried. Pilate wanted to know if he was a king, and Jesus said, my kingdom is not from this world. Because this king is the one who did something that nobody would expect any king to do. From a position of absolute authority and strength, this king promised all whom God calls that they can be forgiven. Promised to give all whom God calls the gift of the Holy Spirit. All who repent and commit themselves to being his apprentices who turn from their old way of life, who get baptized into his way of life, there is hope for all of us. Jesus is the true king. And the fact that he is alive means that there is hope and a future for us. And so Peter says to the crowd here, says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And 3,000 are added to their number that day. And I know that that most of us who are on the, on the service this morning, we've been Christians for a while, but I think we need to stop and think to ourselves again, I am only a person with hope because of what Jesus has done. You know, and when Satan comes and tells us, you know what, there is no hope, we look back at what Jesus has done, we look at the king who would go to a cross for us, and we say, thank you, Jesus. And we save ourselves from this corrupt generation, not by show of our might and strength. We save ourselves from this corrupt generation by looking at the king who in strength died and who in strength was raised from the dead again. We bow before our Lord and our Messiah, before Jesus, our king. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we owe that too often we are like those who would have you executed or who would not want you to interfere in our lives or who, who would, would stand against your right to tell us how to live. Lord Jesus, we also owe that we are sinners in that. 
Whenever we try and go it alone, we mess up so badly, God. Lord, we deserve to die. We deserve to be cut off. Why would you have done that? Thank you for your love. Lord, we come to you because you are the king who died for us, who rose for us, and who lives for us, and who stands for us before the Father right now. And Lord Jesus, we want to say, would you take us as individuals and as a church, and would you mold us to be more and more like yourself? Father, we want to be like Jesus because you sent him to save us. And I pray that you would, by your spirit, be working that transformation into, into the likeness of your son in each and every one of us. Jesus, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for the fact that you didn't stay dead. Help us to live our lives on the basis that you are alive, that you have said to us, You are weary or heavy laden. If you are broken, if you if you are dead in your sins and transgressions, Lord, you have promised that all whom you call you will save. So we throw ourselves again at your feet. Lord, we are yours. Have your way. We're going to close our service this morning uh, with a song and then we're going to